Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. I am so excited when I get to bring you guys guests from around the world. And today I am excited to have Gerard. There we go, Gerard. <laughs> Best Mitchell here. How are you? I am doing so good, Wesleyan. Thank you so much for having me. Long overdue. I regretted doing the rescheduling last time, but so many crazy things were happening because I had to travel for work and a couple other things. But I'm here. I'm hyped. Even more because the conversation we had before we hit record gets me excited about what we want to talk about today. So yes, I'm really happy. I'm excited. Yes, yes, yes. We have long been circling around each other on LinkedIn. And when I hopped on, I said, I don't think we've ever seen each other. How is it that you know somebody <laughs> for like two years in the social world, but you've never actually seen them? That is amazing. That's the world we live in today. That's how the world is today. <laughs> it is. So let me tell you guys a little bit more about Gerard. Gerard, I want to say it right. Because people always get my name wrong. Jared, yes. Jared. Yes. <laughs> He's known for three things. His knowledge of sales and the ability to help teams sell better. LinkedIn, where he has grown his audience to over 13,000 followers and 1.2 million organic views of his content in 2022. His love for the color yellow. He always is so on brand with yellow. He always has yellow on. He has successfully been selling for 13 years in the B2B and B2C sales world for companies such as Digicel, DHL, Nokia, Microsoft, and Samsung. He started his business in 2019 and he has trained and worked with hundreds of sales professionals at the company showcase above. He is also the co-founder of the only sales conference in the Caribbean, Sales as a Profession and is recognized locally and internationally as one of the top content creators and social sellers of LinkedIn. His motto is nothing happens until a sale is made. Woo! All right. So tell it us, happens. how did you get started in your career and how did you become this fantastic influencer all over LinkedIn? <laughs> so as I said before, I've only done sales my entire life. I've done nothing else. It's the job that I truly enjoy. and. I wouldn't say I fell into it by accident. It, it started at Digicel when I was in their retail store. And I did my first sale by actually breaking one of the rules that the company had. So the company had a rule where retail employees cannot go across the corporate. Mm. And I first convinced the lady to give me the interview. And then when I got the interview, it started off with just my manager interviewing me. Then they bought in the sales director. Then they bought in the HR director because I was that impressive and I did all my research and I was explaining how I'd be great at the job. And immediately they left me out of the conversation, started chatting among themselves and they said, okay, great. We're going to offer you the job. And I was offered the job on the spot and the HR director picked up the phone calling my manager of the retail store and just literally like this. She's like, Richard, I understand about the rule. Great, great, great. Right. Yes. You talk to X and Y, you deal with that. But Jared is coming with us. Bye. That's the end of the convo. So I spent a core part of, and what I'll say is a core part of my foundation in Digicel, where I struggled for like the first three to six months. Like I remember I told you about calling from a phone book. I literally called an entire page of a phone book and got rejected. <laughs> so I've gone through all the hardships, but I left Digicel being in charge of their public sector, the government sector, and I was growing it by 28% per month, which was incredible because the incumbent provider was government owned. So I was winning huge amounts of business because I just found an area of where they weren't covering and the government actually needed and I exploited it till there was nothing left. Mm. Went into DHL right after, which shows how much I love yellow. Literally, that was the reason why I picked it. 
I got bored in Digicel and I said, let's go and try something new. Am I good in sales in the telecom industry? Am I good in sales in general? Went and crushed it in Digicel. Within that exact one year anniversary, my ex-boss from Digicel offered me a position in Nokia. Got that position, spent two and a half years growing Nokia at the time and was Nokia Lumia. In Trinidad, being the number one performing island in the Caribbean, even beating Puerto Rico and DR, which was impressive in numbers. Left there to went to Microsoft, which was for six months. It was the only job. I would say I failed that because they didn't extend my contract because they moved the position because, you know, Microsoft is slightly weird, but great experience. And then went back to Digicel for a year and a half, then went to Samsung for three years when that's when I actually looked at what I was doing and said, it's actually time to go and do coaching full time. I was in Samsung. I said, listen, I enjoy teaching people. I enjoy showing people how to sell properly and you know, the way the universe aligned, it really lined up really well for me. So the last three years, right before the pandemic to now, I've been doing my sales consultancy, really crushing it in different sectors and providing a different perspective that I'm not bragging, but I don't think any other sales trainer in equipment could actually do what I do right now. Look, now that's a mic drop moment. No other sales trainer in the Caribbean can do what I can do. Like, I claim it because I know there's no other Wesleyan out there. So there's nobody else that can exactly. do what I do as good as I can do it. So I want you to just claim yep. that all the way. And so, yeah. you know, you moved. You said, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm busting up what they said is possible. Moving from one side of the business to another side of the business. So share with us your why. Like, why did you have the gumption, the umph to even try for something that people told you you couldn't do? Because I was like the underdog position and I'm very competitive. So in the Caribbean, we call it bad man. So, you know, when somebody tells you you can't do something, oh, I can do it. So even when they doubted I would grow government sector in all the different jobs and they would doubt I would do different things, I got it done because again, once your mind is set to it, nobody's really going to stop you. Mm. And I truly enjoyed sales and I was at a position where I was okay with failing. Honestly, when I went to DHL, it was honestly from the viewpoint. And I told my wife, well, but my fiance at the time, I'm okay if it doesn't work out. I literally said that because I just want to test to see what I can do and where I'm good at. I need to actually find out where I'm good at instead of just settling and thinking I'm good at this because I could have found something greater, which I did. So to me, that's why I actually took the opportunity to try and do as many different things as possible. It's just just for the opportunity, just for the experience, which has always paid off in my favor. Mm, so many people are like so safe. They're like, well, I don't know how to do that. I've never done that. I haven't tried that before. And so what you do by being safe all the time is you block yourself from the opportunity to learn. And guess what? Yeah. If you fail, you just get back up. And I mean, you just try something different. I remember there was a guy, he worked in the government sector. People in government sector in the Caribbean traditionally stay in their job for their entire life. And I remember at a point, you know, people always see you time and time again. He would always say, every time I see you, you're in a different job. And I said, and every time I see you, you're in the same spot. <laughs> that is so And he true. never understood. He never understood what I meant. And then one day he reached out to me, of course, on LinkedIn. He's like, Jared, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tired of where I am. I want to switch jobs. It's like, oh, you're ready to move from the spot. Great. <laughs> that is so good. And as weird as this sounds, I can't even see myself doing what I do now forever. As weird as this sounds, because like, I like to do something different. I want to learn. I want to test and do different things. Like as much as I enjoy what I'm doing now, I know you're going to enjoy me saying this. I feel comfortable. Mm, and I don't like that. That comfortable spot. It's like when you feel, when you're too relaxed, when things are 
the same all the time. And a lot of my listeners are probably not going to appreciate me saying this, but (laughs) when I worked in my last corporate job and I was like, everything was fixed. Like I like to fix broken things. That is Wesleyan's thing. And (laughs) you know, I fix broken things and I'm really good at it. But like every day as a sales manager, it kind of felt like it was a blood sucking task to me. I was like, I don't care about these KPIs. I don't care about running these reports. <laughs> like I am so tired of this stuff. And so like you said, it's like you get bored. And so what I love about what I do is I go into companies that I'm working with these organizations and like we're fixing your broken things and I'm leaving you because I am not a crutch for you. I am a fix. This bone is healed. We don't do band-aids here, right? And so yep. before we popped on, we were talking about in our industry of the sales training industry, some of the challenges that we see. And as the number one sales trainer and consultant in the Caribbean, tell me your philosophy on training and development. Yes, so we were talking about it. My philosophy is I don't do all day training. I don't think it's fair to take your team off the road for the entire day. Even you might think your team is bad at sales, something is still being generated. I don't think we should take your team off the road for the entire day. So I don't think all-day training makes any sense. My attention span is short. More importantly, it's unfair to ask your team to spend all day learning something brand new that they're not accustomed to in addition to all the products, all the services, all the SKUs, all the customer complaints that they have and expect them to perform effectively. And then the other bone that I have, which irks me now and that I'm stressing with a lot of companies is that they're doing training but not coaching and they fail to understand that there's a difference between the two. Like that is something I think is fundamental. And I tell a lot of companies this, you would have so much success if you actually treat your sales team as a professional sports team. Let's look at it from the Kansas City Chiefs, the head coach, I forgot his name. I think the first name is Andy. I may be wrong. He has almost 29 assistants. Now, you don't need 29 assistants, but what I'm saying is if you have a sales team, there should be a manager and there should be a coach who works side by side. The manager is the numbers. The coach is the person who analyzes the numbers and goes back to the team to work with them to make sure that the team drives that performance. You cannot expect a manager to coach when they have 8 billion tasks to do. It is not fair. And I don't understand how companies don't see this and they also want to use the excuse as they don't have budget. And I'm like, you would 10x your revenue if you hire a good sales coach for your team who is only focused on just spending time coaching the team, listening on calls, spending time with them in the field, coaching them live, practicing. Your revenue at 10x if you get that done. But companies, no. The manager can do everything. We can train for eight hours. And then this is the other part I laugh at. Companies want training and they honestly ask me, what's the ROI? <laughs> Very little. Are we doing coaching? Yeah. No. As like, then the training, the training is a firework. Poof. Ooh. Ah, that's so nice. Disappears. Literally. The impact disappears. I pulled out my LinkedIn banner um, that I had up for a very long time. And I said, sales training, 0.5x ROI. (laughs) Develop your leaders (laughs) and coach, 10x ROI. Like, literally, I feel like, so in um, the States, in in the Southern US, like you go to these older churches and there's always a lady on the front row and she has a tambourine. Like, I feel like I need my tambourine (laughs) to bang as you were talking. Because I'm like, yes, Derek, yes, 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 yes. You are saying all the things all the things. And so I really want to start with the the first big nugget that you gave. The fact that you deliver training in two to three hours maximum. And the reasons why are it's better for the learn. It's better for 
them to in, take in this information and why pull out your salespeople out of the field for a whole day just to get them excited. So tell me a little bit more about the reason why you break things down in those small packets of information. Because to me, it's just easier for the rep and honestly, it's easier for me in terms of delivery. I'm sure you would testify to this. Even if when I do training for three hours, my brain is melted myself. I honestly need time to recharge. Can you imagine if you had to do that for eight hours? It's difficult. It is really difficult. The other thing to which companies need to realize is that when you teach, so I break up my training into modules. I do a training needs assessment. I do my discovery and I figure out what is needed, right? Because I have a theory where I tell the client, I have my perspective based on what you tell me from your perspective. Then I have the employee's perspective and that triangle of perspectives gives us the right type of training content that we need to deliver. I then show them probably five to eight options of what we're going to train on. And then we break that up into modules. We either do training once a week or we do training um, every twice a week. And then we go into coaching based after the team starts executing in the field. The reason why I like short pieces of training is that it gives that firework effect that I just mentioned, but it gives the long standing effect where I stress on persons, just take the one thing you learn from this module and execute it in the field. It is way easier because now I feel comfortable instead of saying, all right, we did our training on ICP, prospecting, discovery, presentation skills, digital, all in one day. Now there's just a training on my ICP. I can go back now and look at my CRM or my database and refine my ICP, execute it and bring it back to you the next week when we learn a different module that complements. So what you're creating is a compound effect in your training that is actually going to help the employees longer because what happens now is that when you split it up like this, it goes like this. And then of course, when you add the coaching, it kind of get that hockey stick effect where it just skyrockets the performance of the team because it's broken down in an easier way. It's a better impact for the team. Like all the training is just, that makes no sense. None. You are so right. I like sometimes when, so we have, I call it our sales training boot camp, and it goes probably about six hours. But as the instructor, I'm like, I'm done. Like, they're like, can you want to go to dinner? Do you want to? I'm like, I really don't want to see y'all. I'm good. Like, <laughs> for real, I'm good. Because it takes a lot of mental energy, right? And the way that we like, in the training that we're doing, I break it up. I don't talk for more than 20 or 30 minutes at a time. And then you have 20 or 30 minutes to do work, like to implement what we're saying. Because if you go wide and not deep, it never, ever helps. Like it never, ever helps. They leave and they're so overloaded with information. And not only are they overloaded, they're like, I took a whole day out of the field. I have all these emails. I got to do the CRM. And it's like, Thank you. it's just, it's too much. It is counterintuitive. So Stop having all these sales kickoffs. Stop having all of these all day trades. Like stop doing those things and give people what they need. And another yep. thing that I really love that you said, like there is no cookie cutter. I don't, what is cookie cutter? Like there is no cookie cutter. There's like, I want this training. I'm like, I'm glad that's what you think you want, but you don't know what's really wrong with your team. Oh yeah. What's really happening is they have all of these self-limiting beliefs and all this mind trash. And that's why they keep getting rejected. They can't pick up the phone. They don't know how to close. Like, but you want me to teach you how to prospect. Come on, come on. It needs to be. So I, I laughed because last week I have a follow-up meeting with a prospect. They reached out to me last week. It was the HR team and they wanted sales training. And in my discovery, I found out they have capped commissions. And all I said was, you don't need sales training. You need to uncap your commissions. Mm -hmm. 
And I looked at their face and I just paused and I said, it sounds like you don't want to uncap the commission. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a little difficult to do. I said, no, it's not. It's not difficult. Because a lot of the people on the team are hitting that cap target. I'm like, yes, because they figured out the system. Yep. Or, but they aren't selling all these cues because they figured out the system. Like, it's, I, I want the easy button. Give me the easy button. Oh, I can sell 10 of these? Like, why? Done. And I told them that. I was like, if I was the reps, I would do the same thing. So what is funny for me sometimes when you go in sales scenarios, when you're approaching customers is when you're making your recommendations, all of a sudden they become the experts. And I'm like, how is this possible? I was like, no offense. You had problems now. So even though I'm in the mix, that means you should take the advice from me. Because the other issue I found with a lot of companies that irritates me is that they want change, but they themselves don't want to change to get the change. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Because even though I do training, I do a manager session because I need to stress to them, this is what we taught the team. This is what I think you should be paying attention to. This is what I think you should also change because the team has to change, but you need to change because you're not perfect. You need to also change because this is what is going to drive the impact. And like then all of a sudden you see them push back. Oh, I don't want to change. No problem. You know what's not going to change? Your revenue, your results, your performance. Absolutely. And you know, my big thing, and I talk about this so often is the management being invested, involved. And so if the managers are not on board, like you sit in, you are not a manager in my training. You will participate. Like you will be in a breakout group. You will do this work. Because like you said, if there's not that coaching element afterwards, if you can't redirect the person on the team when they're going on the wrong path, then how are you ever going to uplift? Exactly. So you mentioned this concept of a sales coach and a sales manager. And see, that's when I was in the corporate realm, I was like, I want to be a manager. I'll be the coach. I don't want to be the manager though. Right. And I knew that about myself and the company that I was with, they didn't have that infrastructure available. So if somebody doesn't give you a seat at the table, you just go make your own table. Just what I do. Right. And so that's what I did. I made my own table, which is like, this is what I do now. So when you're working, <laughs> I'd be like, look, you want to give me a seat at the table? I'm going to make my table. So tell me, how do you, when you're working with organizations and you see this struggle of the managers doing all the stuff, they're running around crazy, like they don't have the gumption, they don't have the time. How do you really get that conversation going to help organizations understand that they need this separate, whether it's a third party resource, an internal hire, or to develop the manager to do it? Honestly, that still is the biggest challenge that I have that I am still yet to overcome because a lot of companies know that they need it. As I say, it's just getting them to commit to, we need to go through the steps with you and HR and the board to realize that you can hire and bring someone. And I probably need to approach it differently because maybe I'm saying it in a, in a way that the companies think it's a permanent add-on, but I'm even saying it could be somebody that comes in once every two weeks or once a month because it might not necessarily need, be somebody you need immediately, but it would actually be somebody that comes in and you could see a noticeable change in the team because you'll be able to put specific KPIs attached to them. So I would say I still need a lot of work with it because I'm still trying to push this to companies and I really started doubling down on it last year, but I'm seeing slight changes. So for example, in one of the calls today that I'm progressing the client to now starting to do the needs assessment, the manager immediately said, hey, Jared, look me in on when the training dates are because I want to be in the training, but I want to make sure I'm neutral because I don't want the reps to feel awkward when they're answering and responding to questions, but I want to be a part of it so I can see what's being done. 
And I love managers like that. I love managers who are open. I love managers who want to be part of the process. You always see a pushback or ineffectiveness with training when managers distance themselves or don't even want to be part of the training. I remember there's one company we did training for. It took us almost six weeks after the training completed, just six weeks, just to get 30 minutes of the key manager's time to review what happened in the training. Six weeks. And their claim was they were busy. And I'm like, but you want sales results. So you're not busy. Where are your priorities? So like, (laughs) what's happening there? But again, it goes to them thinking, because we have done training, that's going to fix everything. Mm. No, it is. As you said, training is a band-aid. Coaching is actually fixing your problem. Yeah. Yep. Do you want to heal or do you want to just have a temporary solution? And the thing that you're really pushing, it's really been my mission too. Like I am so passionate about developing these managers because hello, let's be real. A manager was a sales rep six months ago or six years ago, and nobody taught them how to manage. They're just doing what they did as a salesperson and trying to figure out how to manage all these other people that don't know anything. And so when you see that pushback and you see that they're like, oh no, I don't have time. They're coming from a place of insecurity because they don't want you to tell them something that they don't even know the answer to. And so it makes them feel inferior, right? It makes them feel less than. And I know for me, like, I literally like, I'm glad that you chased after them for six weeks because I wouldn't even do the training. Like I literally make (laughs) them go in because all the time, like I remember when I was a rep, I would look in the back of the room and my manager was the managers and the VPs and even sometimes the president, the CEO, whoever the person was at the company, they will be in the back on their emails talking. Then during all the breaks, they're coming up to the salespeople and asking them questions about opportunities and deals. And I'm like, don't you want us to learn? Like, are you not learning with us? Like, and so that is the image I have in my mind of managers in sales training, like right, wrong, or indifferent. So it is a requirement that the managers work. And then because I'm, I'm a little special. So I'm developing the managers. And then when we do the training with the team, so about halfway into our engagement, I actually make them deliver some of the training. They're like, what? I actually have to train my team? You do, because I'm not going to be here forever. And I need you to learn to do this. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. you do. So shout out to the companies that actually understand that. Because I did one training where, which I would say is the best training I did for all of 2022. Because I have another theory that a lot of people might not like. I don't believe in training your entire sales force. I don't think you should train people who don't want to be trained. And we know that exists in companies. I don't want to train people who are just going to sit down in the training avoid participating and not give you the RI. And especially as companies are trying to watch their budget, it's better to train the people who are your top performers who are coachable and people who have the potential. Like that's the kind of individuals I want. So one of the trainings I did last year, the GM of the team literally did that. They handpicked the individuals who they wanted in the training. Mm. Like she specifically handpicked everyone. And immediately I heard backlash. But what I loved about her, she is extremely honest with her team. So she told persons, the reason why you're not invited, because there's no ROI in you, but there's mm. no ROI in you for this specific reason. You don't want coaching. Yes. Your reason is you don't want to come to training to learn. You just want to come to training because you think you, that's your right. And that's two different things. And I loved her in the training because she set the tone immediately. I present a lot of perspectives that a lot of people challenge because I bring a modern way to selling in the Caribbean. And when I was talking about some of the strategies, one of the individuals, I remember this is the best moment. One of the individuals stood up and said, Jared, I will try what you're doing, you know. I ain't sure if it will work. And the manager stopped and said, 
Well, what you've been doing for the last three years, of course, is your business to the client. So you better sit down and learn what Jared is telling you. And I was there like... Tambourine moment, tambourine moment. <laughs> and Woo! they literally saw everybody else sit down like, okay, I'm not opening my mouth because I don't want to be embarrassed like that. And it's like, because the thing with the manager, she knew everybody's numbers and, and figures in detail. So anytime... Anyone in the training said anything that wasn't matching up, she immediately corrected them. It was one of the best trainings and it made the team open to what they wanted to learn. Wow. It made them open. The other thing which I would say though, I do allow people to leave the room to close deals because I tell persons, listen, I know you're in training. We're not doing this for the whole day. I would love 100% of your attention. But if that call you're getting is a call to close, please go ahead and close your business. Make However, <laughs> if it's a call because... It's an existing customer issue. I'm going to teach you any training the difference between urgent and important. Mm. So let that call go to voicemail. Mm. But if it's to close a deal, you go and answer that call, get back in the training. Yeah. And right. And then this client, I did like six or seven sessions with them. After the second session, I think two or three people only left to everybody sat in the classroom for the mm. entire three hours. Yeah. So it is really, really good. So I thoroughly enjoy what I do. I love it. I had a, a situation last year where it was a an extended time period that I was with this group. And so the first day, it was bad. Like I was getting a lot of pushback and they were like, oh, I, this is, I don't like this. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And you know, I'm a woman, I'm a woman of color. And a lot of times I'm training teams <laughs> that don't look like me. I'm training teams full of men. And so there was this whole dynamic. And so the next day I came in and I sat down. Nobody sits down when they train. But I sat down in the front of the room because I always leave people with stuff to do. So they had an assignment that they needed to do. And so I sat in the front of the room and I said, so I've already been paid for this training. And what happened yesterday was completely unacceptable. I will not be more invested in your development than you are. So as I go around the room and you deliver this presentation that I'm asking you to deliver me, you say, I do want to be developed. Please coach me. And I made them ask for it. And every single person, like that broke them all the way down. Cause I'm like, I'm not gonna care more about this than you. I already know how to sell. Exactly. I'm already making money. Like, I don't care about that. And so I love how she literally handpicked these people and said, you want to get better. You want to grow, you want to develop. I'm investing in you because you will invest in yourself. Yep. So I loved it. It was one of the best trainings. And she understood my viewpoint of not, let's not train everyone because the team itself was over a hundred people mm. and we trained and we picked literally 18 persons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I've already checked in with them and the ROI that they have bought in is way more than if you train the entire team. Oh yeah. So it's a win-win. Tell us about you being this LinkedIn superstar, 1.2 million views on LinkedIn. Talk to us about your strategy, what you do there. Well, all I do on LinkedIn, let me talk about the main thing, which I know nobody has done. Mm. I'd probably say maybe there'll probably be a handful of people on LinkedIn that have done this, but I would need to see their receipts as well because I could show mine. Remember when we connected, I sent you a personalized video, right? Yes. That's a main part of how I build my community on LinkedIn. I'll be honest and say for the month of February, I didn't get a chance to do it. It was an extremely busy month for me in terms of work. But to date, I've done 6,000 personalized videos on LinkedIn. Wow. And I don't do it to sell. I do it to build community. Yeah. Because my theory is at some point, what if these people don't buy for me, somebody are going to recommend someone to buy for me, which they've had. Mm. So 
Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. And I enjoy doing it because I look at it as I send you the video message because I think if I see you in real in a networking event, I'm not going to send you a text message. Yeah. I'm going to say hi. Yeah. So LinkedIn has become very instrumental for me for my entire career because when I started on it, which was, I think more than a decade, way more than a decade ago, I think probably 13 or 14 years ago. And when I started in Samsung is when I really started to do more on LinkedIn and people were recognizing me for what I was doing because I was the only person who was producing content. I was the only person who's talking about how to create a banner, et cetera. I was sharing mm -hmm. information freely because all I understood was when you share information freely, you're not losing business. You're actually getting business because we all know there are people who don't want to do it for themselves. There are people who can't do it for themselves but don't want to any people who never be a customer. So I was sharing enough information with people who wanted me to do it for them was coming to me to get the business done. So at one point, I was still saying, now as my humble brag, I don't think anybody's in the Caribbean is doing what I do with regards to content on LinkedIn. Mm. Because all I do is that I really spend a lot of time with my community. I spend a lot of time having DM conversations. And all of the content that I create, as I keep telling people, is inspired by you. The conversations, the questions that you ask, like the post I have running right now was inspired by somebody who said, Jara, thanks for optimizing my profile. I've been seeing a lot more companies viewing it. And then she asked, what do I do now? Mm. So that post was inspired by her. So now I can talk and say, check out the post, even though I sent it to her in a voice note, but these are the steps that you need to take in order to continue having success. So I look at it that way and I think even though all that I'm doing now, I still don't think there are enough people on LinkedIn from the Caribbean because I think we are at about, I would say anywhere from 1.5 to 2 million speaker um, accounts in the English connections in the English speaking Caribbean. But I think there definitely could be more because the larger countries like Trinidad, Jamaica, St. Lucia, etc., they don't have enough people based on where their population sizes on the platform. So for me, that's one of my goals on LinkedIn to get as many Caribbean people on and to keep on sharing what I know about sales on LinkedIn while wearing as much yellow as I possibly can and just getting people excited about what happens on this amazing platform because it has been tremendous in my career. Mm. And like, when I mean build my personal brand, like the kind of brainwashing I've done with people because of the color yellow, it's absolutely brilliant. It works so well in my favor and being on LinkedIn and putting out content really helped me understand how impactful my personal brand is because I remember in the height of the pandemic, I was in the park a time with my daughter and I, I like, I don't know, a blue t-shirt, yellow sneakers, I don't know, a yellow mask and a yellow hat. And I remember my daughter and her godbrothers playing and they fell down. And I remember laughing at them because I like to make fun of her. It's like, ah, look at fall. Ha 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 ha. And I was just telling her some nonsense and somebody behind me just shouted, Jared. And I just stopped and I turned around. He's like, I just knew it had to be you because I heard your voice. Ah. Nothing else. And I'm like, I would never stop putting out video content. I'll never stop putting out content because that level of brand awareness, nobody can match. Like mm. no one. So for me, what LinkedIn has done, I think, is, is second to none. Yeah. The fact that 95% of my business is inbound. That's good. Like I hardly have to do prospecting. The fact that people come to me ready to buy versus trying to convince them to buy. Like I think people... I mean, I'm sorry. I just love it. It's the greatest platform ever. I'm sorry. I, I'll never abandon it. My goal one day is to be a LinkedIn top voice. I have no idea how to do that, but I'll research <laughs> and get it done. But I think the only way to get it done is by continuously adding more value. So mm -hmm. that is my goal every single year, every single day, every single week, every single month, just providing more value to every single user and making as much differences as I can.
I love it. And you know, you're right. What LinkedIn does is it, it tees you up for a conversation. It tees you up. Anytime I get on a call with somebody or I'm, they're like, oh my gosh, I just love your content. And you are so direct and edgy and you tell it like it is. And I'm like, that is, and that is what you get when you meet me. Like when you sit down and we have coffee, we have dinner. The person you see on LinkedIn is the person who you see. So I mean, like, and people don't get it. It's like, so when I work with these companies that are very technical, they're like, my customers are on there. I'm like, yes, they are. Yep. Yes, they are. You need to put yourself yeah. out there. You need to develop your thought leadership. This is your personal brand. Your personal brand lives with you beyond your company. It lives with you beyond this position. This is your brand. Yep. So here's the only thing I would say. At the start, you said where I mentioned nothing happens until a sale is made. I want to add something really important. I think sales is the most important profession in the world. And I think for anybody who's in sales, the most important thing you can do to increase your sales as part of your personal development is to build your personal brand. Mm -hmm. You have no idea how many doors that will open when you carve your own personal brand. You just said it. It goes beyond LinkedIn. It opens up doors that you didn't even know existed that were just waiting for you to pass in front of it. So as much as it's important to learn and develop your craft, spend as much time as you can now developing your personal brand because with all the technology threats and all the layoffs and everything happening, your brand is going to be one of the shields that protects you during every single time there's a key thing that impacts sales. And the thing is, it's everybody's scared. It's like the first step is the hardest. I look back at videos from two and three years ago. I'm like, wow, Wesley, those are pretty rough. But I did it. And it didn't kill me. Yep. It didn't hurt me. And now things are so much better. And um, people are like, you're so comfortable in front of them. I'm like, you just do it, right? You just do it. You just do it. You just Oh, can it. I give you a hack? Go. So I shared this with one of my clients. I know you're probably on TikTok. There's a new filter on TikTok that everyone is raving about. I think it's called bold face or something. I can't remember. It's a makeup filter that is like, you could literally put your hand on your skin. Yeah. This is me off? Yeah. And it's, you're not seeing the filter. So I have clients, majority of my clients are women that I coach. And the challenge with them is that for some of them to send the videos to clients to do videos, they need makeup on, you know, to feel the confidence to say the message properly. And when I introduce the filter to my client, she's like, this is going to save me so much time That's because so I don't bad. have to do makeup. Like my client was literally like, okay, so go on TikTok. I record the video. I don't post it. I just save it. And then I could just upload it and send it to my clients. So it literally was like one of the best hacks, I think. And I have to do a post about it because I think a lot of other women would definitely appreciate it because that honestly, I think deep down is what impacts a lot of women, which I, I can understand, which is, you know, they, they think about, okay, well, what would people say? Or just for some women, I want to be, I want to be dressed up when I do videos, which I understand because for me, when I do videos, I want to feel good about myself. I want to be wearing yellow. I want to make sure that, you know, my beard looks as neat as possible. So I just want to provide an easy way that they can save some time instead of having to put on a full face of makeup. And I'm going to say as a woman, <laughs> um, <laughs> I like the way that I am right now. I like, I've talked to my friends in the morning. They're like, you put a full face makeup on every day. I say I do because I like to look beautiful for Wesleyan. Um, and so to anyone who's out there, it's like, I gotta put, put on makeup for yourself. And then if you record a video, you yep. record a video. So like, I will sit here some days. I don't see anybody other than my children. Some days I don't even see my children because they may be with their dad and I have my makeup on cause I like to put it on, but whatever makes you feel yep. beautiful. And that might be lip gloss. Just put your lip gloss on and put your hair in a ponytail and do you. That's it. That's all you have to do. So I am skeptical about putting out the tip because I think it might look weird coming from a man, especially as we are now in Women's Awareness Month. 
but I still think it's advice that needs to be shared because I, I think a lot of women would appreciate it because they want to put content out. It's a hack. Put it out there. I would say, yeah. you never do anything scared. Oh man. So Jared, you've had a very fantastic career. You are enthusiastic. Yes. You are out here doing some amazing things. Can you share your ultimate why? Why do you show up every day and do what you do? I do what I do every single day because when I wake up every single morning, the first thing I say is, God, thank you for giving me the abilities that you have so that I could share it with others who can help. Mm. So for me, I think it's, and I tell this to my clients, you're being unfair when it is that you are given gifts and you don't share it with others who need your help. You're being unfair. I literally tell clients, you're a lifeguard at a pool and you're watching people drown and you have the gift to save them. So I am here because I've seen the impact of what I do. I feel very humbled by it. I feel very excited by it. And I wake up every day trying to figure out new ways to reach out to as many people as possible. And as I say, just to be recognized as somebody who is there to just help others become better or to reach their goals or to overcome hurdles that they have in their life through my content, through the skills that I teach them, through understanding LinkedIn, that's literally what I want to spend my time doing. That's literally my why these days. It's because I understand what I've been gifted with and and how it is it can help others. Mm, I just, I love that so much. It's just, ah, just makes me light up inside because I feel the same thing. Like we, God gives us gifts not to keep for ourselves or to be selfish with yep. but these gifts that he gives us he gives us these gifts to share with others to help others be impacted and uplifted so that was amazing this has been a fantastic conversation i have thoroughly enjoyed yes. it so much and i feel like i'm your sister from another island living in the u.s because my parents were born yes. in jamaica and so i just always love seeing your content and hearing all the amazing things that you're doing to impact and uplift those in the Caribbean. So thank you so much for your time, your talent, and your expertise. My pleasure was, you know, so great meeting you digitally. And I know 2023 will be a year where I'll meet plenty of my LinkedIn connections in person. So I love it. Well, let's wrap this conversation up and tell everyone the one best way for them to get in contact with you. LinkedIn. Like (laughs) I have my website. You can reach out to me on my website, but the fastest response is LinkedIn. Like I live on that 24 seven. There's probably a period of six hours in a day where I'm not on LinkedIn and that's when I sleep. That's where you live. And I I love LinkedIn too. So thanks again. And um, I'm so glad we got to connect after so much rescheduling and back and forth. But again, thank you for your time. My pleasure. And that was another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Remember, in everything that you do, every day, strive to be 1% better, and that will transform your sales. Until next time.